Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather today. God, we praise you. We acknowledge you here, God, in this place just to speak to us, speak to our minds, speak to our hearts. God, challenge us exactly where we are, God. Allow us to have right thinking, right believing, to then have right living, Lord. We really want to live right for you. We really want to do the right things, Lord. But it really takes a right perspective and a right understanding of what you truly say about yourself in the word of God. Today, we are going to learn and study about what it means to live bold, what it means to talk bold, Lord. And we praise you. We honor you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is really cool because I think... Um, when we talk about living bold, talking bold, it's very simple. We, we've kind of come to this turn. Is that our foundation is pretty solid, right? And more than just solid, it's immovable. It never changes. It's unbending. It's unwavering. The foundation is 100% certain. Okay? Now, we talked about living bold, living in the now. And then we're talking about living bold and now talking bold. So... What does talking have to do with anything, right? Because we, and as a society, we kind of get a little um, frustrated with talk, talkers, right? People who just talk the talk, right? Who know how to use their words, who know how to maneuver and manipulate. And that's one of our biggest fears with talking. So when we start, when we start talking about living bold, talking bold, we're not, we're not talking about a, a learning to become a master uh, language expert or, or anything like that. We're talking about something a little bit in the other direction. And what I mean is that first we have this foundation where we, we had a great Thanksgiving, right? Mm -hmm. we, were, we were grateful. We were, right? <laughs> Just for a day. Um, and, then all, <laughs> and then all of a sudden um, that gratitude dissipates with the next morning when you look at yourself and you're like, maybe I should go to the gym, right? Because <laughs> you overate or something like that. But here's something beautiful about, um, I want to mention about being grateful, is that um, in order to be sincerely grateful, they say gratitude has great effects on the body. It actually affects your mood, right, if you can be grateful. But here's the challenge is that how do you change that mood if you are faking it? If you're just, people say, well, there's children starving in other countries, right? But you don't necessarily connect with that. You don't know how to look at that and, and somehow become more grateful about your life. You're like, okay, like, I, what do I do with that, right? We often have that trouble in our emotions. And so here is, the, here is the, I guess the trick or the secret to really becoming genuinely grateful because it's only genuine gratitude, right? If, if, if someone is genuinely thankful to you, do you accept it? If they're not, how do you feel? You feel a little misled, right? That they're just somehow trying to just put something out there for you to, to grab onto so that whatever you, it seems a little manipulative that they can continue maybe in doing what they've done for you. So here's, here's that battle of being grateful is how do we get there? How do you get to genuine gratitude, right? And here, here's, the, here's the secret. It's you first have to know the distance Okay, in what you're grateful for and how it was achieved, right? We, we applaud long distance runners, why? Because we know the distance that they went, right? These Ironmen or these, these triathletes, right? They're, they go these great distances and they do these incredible things, 
and we, we applaud them and we kind of give them a word because it's extremely difficult and we know and, and when we see a story like, you know, from rags to riches, we clap for that stuff. Why, right? Because we see the distance that from where they started to where it is, we see that distance and then we're like, okay, that's something worth chanting or giving credit to or acknowledging or giving praise to. So when we think about ourselves and our lives and becoming a more grateful person, it starts with knowing first that we're sinners. Okay, I'm sinful. We have to know what we really deserve. Remember we talked about um, uh, why do good people suffer? And then we kind of solved it and said, wait a minute, the Bible says there's no good, no one's good. So we have to take that out of the sentence, right? Why? Well, then why do people suffer, right? Well, man is exceedingly sinful and wicked. Okay, so the natural consequence of sin is these bad results that we see in the world, right? So if you don't have what you really deserve for the bad that you've done, okay, the distance between that and what you have should logically, just from a logical perspective, make you grateful. I see the sinner in myself. So therefore, when good comes out of me, I cannot be grateful to God that any good comes from me. And it's him. It has to be him, right? If we start from the basis, and we talk about this all the time, what's the basis? My breath. I receive my breath from God by grace. I never deserved it. I never earned it. I never was good enough for it, but I got it. I have breath. So that when I drink a cup of water or I eat my meal, I, I can genuinely say, if it wasn't by God's grace, I couldn't even eat this meal and I couldn't even drink this water. I couldn't even talk and have conversation with my friends that was meaningful. I couldn't even show up here on a Sunday night not worried about what I'm going to eat, you know? And we have, and then that, that gratitude starts to fill us and bring more positivity to our lives. Because we all have the same basis, whether we like it or not. It's just, can we see it? Can we see the basis? Can we genuinely believe that in the flesh dwells no good thing? So that when we see good come from the flesh, we understand that it's God and not man. See, this is the problem, is that man presumes in his own strength and he presumes that he's good, right? It's an assumption that man is good, therefore he shouldn't suffer. It's an assumption about man. And so since we make that assumption, the distance between what their goodness merits is very short. So how can someone believe in God? Unless they understand the distance, right? So these are some of the things we've been, we've been understanding and kind of putting into perspective. So when we see something good, other than what we deserve, we can have gratitude, true gratitude. Without grace, we can't do it, you know? It's like that song Hiller said, right? I believe in you and, and you're all I need. You're all I need because you already provided all I need, whether I believe it or not. So, um, and here's, the, here's another secret is that the more you say it, the more you talk about it, the more you talk grateful, what happens to your life? What you talk 
by faith you inevitably become. So, by grace, we have to say what we are. Provided for, healed, happy, whole, right? You wake up in the morning, right? And you're, you're, you wake up and you're like, today's going to be terrible. You look at the calendar, if you even have one, right? <laughs> or, or the schedule that you didn't plan in your mind. It's the one you just planned in your mind when you woke up. I get it. It happens, right? We don't always plan our lives. But we see our... And we're like, man, this is going to be a very long day. This is going to be a hard day, a difficult day, a, a very rough day. And we're prophesying to the air what our day is going to be. And guess what? Why would you expect anything less than what you just spoke? <laughs> what you speak, you can expect. Okay? And so I'm going to resolve some mysteries a little bit of a few mysteries today about speaking faith talking faith using faith in the right way okay so if you go to romans 12 um, 3 um, it says this for i say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So God, so no one can say, I have no faith, right? It makes God a liar. No one can say, oh, I have no faith, right? Or I'm running out of faith, okay? You are not running out of faith. You have a measure of faith to every man is given a measure of faith, okay? But faith is like a muscle, okay? Muscles, every, every human being is given a measure of muscle already that they're given to work out, right? If you work that muscle out, it's up to you. If that muscle becomes anything, it's up to you. Sorry, I didn't mean to point anybody. <laughs> if you use that muscle, it's up to you. Faith is a muscle. Faith is a spiritual muscle that we have that starts out, and let's go for some, as a seed. Right? You've heard of the mustard seed faith, right? It starts out very small and it must be worked out. And so it's, here's, here's a practical way to understand faith is that, is that you start with small things. So for example, if I'm, if I'm sick in my body, right? Or I, let's, let's use a headache, for example. This is a way better example, I think. You have a headache. Start having faith in God for your headaches. Do you know you can have faith and use medicine? Do you know people have taught you that you can't? So therefore you don't? So therefore you think it's either faith or medicine? Right? And this, this doesn't allow you to use your measure of faith. It doesn't allow you to use the measure of faith you already have because you have to jump from the measure that you have to a measure you don't have. You haven't worked out. It's like trying to lift off a weight, right? You're trying to have a miracle for uh, this huge sickness in your body when you haven't you don't even have enough faith to get rid of a headache in your body. So, so it has to be worked up to that. Does God want us to have that faith? Yes, a living, dynamic faith, right? To believe in him, that he can do anything, but it starts in the small things. To each man, you know, you know how the Bible says if someone's faithful with few, 
right? We'll be given Lord, Lordship over more, right? Well, it's, your faith is one of those things, is that you might start out with a very small faith, but it has to be worked out. Well, then how's it worked out? We have to study this. We have to understand this, right? How do we learn to, 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 to use our faith? And here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the answer. Talk it. The easiest way to start building your faith is to talk faith. To talk faith. I know it's easy to be negative and pessimistic and nothing's working out for me and nothing ever, ever good comes my way and I'm suffering and it's bad and it's terrible and, it's, and everything's not well, right? But it starts by talking faith. Is it instead of saying, this day is gonna be this, this, and that on the negative side, what about this is gonna be the best day I've had in a long time, right? What about talking like that? Why not use your energy to talk like that? And guess what? Faith is for, this is what faith is for, when it doesn't work that way. The moment you declare faith over your day with your words, your faith is going to be tested. This means it's going to start seeming like you're having a bad day really fast. Does that make sense? It's going to start feeling like you're having a bad day the moment you declare faith. Because you have an expectation now that God's going to show up, right? But what we don't understand is when God shows up, usually it's to overcome something bad. Every one of his ways includes him doing something that is in a total opposite relation to the struggles that we have. So guess what? When you declare this is going to be an amazing day, you might experience a small valley in that moment. Because faith is for what? Evidence for things not seen. So your day doesn't look good already. But you talk faith. Right? And then you keep having faith in spite of what you feel. Don't let the day change your mind that you decided to have faith. Make sense? Amen? Okay. So, never say, I don't have faith. Luke 17, 5 and 6. And it says this. And he said, sorry, five. So he called every one of his Lord's debt debtors unto him and said unto the first, sorry, wrong verse. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Okay, so the disciples are there and it's saying, he, they told Jesus, Increase our faith. Is, isn't that kind of where we want to be, right? We have, see, we have a measure of faith that's given to us that has to be increased. It has to be increased. And guess who increases it? The Lord. The Lord increases it. So here's the next verse. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to this mulberry tree, it should be translated mulberry tree, be thou plucked up by the root 
and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. So we have to get out of this idea real quick, okay, that the Lord said that if we say unto mountains, they'll be literal mountains, okay, because that's not happening. That's not happening in the world. We don't see people of faith picking up mountains by faith and moving them or picking up trees and plucking them to the sea. So he's obviously making a point here about something else. We would see this. We would see this happen. Just like we see blind eyes open, just like we see and hear about these great testimonies. I've heard of a man of God by the name of C.B. Thomas in India. He was in a prison for preaching the gospel in a Muslim country. And in, in the, in, in the, the chief, I, I forget what they're called, but the chief guy was basically saying, preach to me the Messiah. They captured him, okay? And he had a guy preach, ask him to preach to him the Messiah through the Quran. I mean, and you see these great, wonderful things happening in different parts of the world and these miracles. And this same man, he was in a prison, he got captured again. And he was in a prison, and God translated him from a prison to his house. And he was translated into his house in the prison clothes. And his, and his wife was like, why are, why are you dirty? What's wrong? When did you get home? You never said, she didn't know he was in prison. Captured in another country. So, I mean, you, you see these things happening, and these are like great faith, right? We're talking about great faith. But it doesn't start that way. It starts with, here's my measure of faith, right? Because he says here, it says here, it, it says, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, okay, you could tell this mulberry tree to be plucked up in the ground and planted in the sea, and it would. It would listen to you. The idea here is that faith starts as a seed. Most of our faith is like a seed, and it starts as a seed. And it's planted into the ground, okay? And do, do you know it's, it's the um, mustard seed is like, a, it's like a, I think the greatest seed of the earth family. But as far as trees, it's the smallest. So of the tree families, it's the smallest. So the earth family is the greatest. So when you think about a mustard seed planted in the ground, it becomes the greatest tree. It becomes a real great tree, a mustard seed. Something so small becoming so great, right? So here's the thing. Is it, this is what faith is for. It's like a seed. It gets planted and then it gets watered by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And it grows between the rocks and the cracks. And it ends up breaking the bondages and the chains that we are in, that we struggle with. Okay? But how does that start? It starts by faith. It starts by talking faith. So he says, it's a grain of a mustard seed. Then he says, if you say to the mulberry tree, do you, do you, if you say to the mountain, and that represents our problems, speak to the mountain, speak to the mulberry tree, speak to it and watch it be lifted from your presence and put into the sea. But it starts by what? Speaking. Talking, and as you talk faith, okay, it grows into things like what? Like the Apostle Paul, he had cut cutouts of his garment, right? Of his cloak, that it would just be passed on to someone and they would be healed. Peter would walk down with his shadow and people would be healed. He did no longer have to speak it because his faith had matured to a point 
where it no longer had to be spoken. It just followed him. It just followed him where he went. So faith can grow. Faith can grow. But I feel that most of us don't start with this tremendous faith to, to heal. If we're honest with ourselves about where our faith is, it's better for us. Because it's like a muscle. If you say, oh, yeah, like I'm 350, you know, I can, I can, I deal with guys like this all the time, okay, just in the gym working out. It's like, oh, I can bench 315, you know, and then they, and then they get on there and then they can't, right? So it's nice to say, it's nice to say, oh, I can do this, right? But the guy should have started lighter. And maybe one day he can do that, Right? You can, you can never cheat faith is what I'm saying. You can't cheat faith. You grow in faith. You practice faith. You can't say all of a sudden, oh, I have faith for this, when you don't even have faith for something much smaller in nature. You don't, it doesn't work that way. It's one of the muscles that God gives us to build, to grow. This is where you, know, where, where you hear that man saying, Lord, help my unbelief. But it's the Lord, it's his word that increases our faith. This is why we encourage you to keep coming, keep hearing, keep challenging yourself to learn, to grow, and get into the word of God. Because the word of God is what breeds faith in us. Right? We believe the word of God, then we start talking the word of God. We hear the word of God, we have enough faith to hear. Then we have enough faith to talk. Then we have enough faith to walk. And everything that we touch then has a faith response. There's a response to the faith that we have. Some, an outcome begins to happen, right? Because we decided to first hear the word of God. Then faith simmered in and it, and it set in our hearts. Then what? Then we begin to talk the word of God. So we speak to our situation, speak to the mountain, speak to, to, to the day and say, this day is going to be good. Speak till tomorrow, speak into the future, speak about, about your family, about what the outcome is going to be. God is going to bless your family. God is going to bless you. God is going to do amazing things. God is good, right? And so as we keep going, we have to learn to speak and talk faith. So... It's insane that how by speaking, we can grow our faith. And, 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 and here's another uh, example is, um, the Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall not want, or uh, it, it can be better said this way in English. People don't really know what that means. I shall not want, what does that mean? I shall not be in want. If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Whoa. Okay, if he's your savior, it doesn't say savior there. If the Lord's my savior, I shall not be in want. There's a lot of people who receive God as savior, okay? And they'll be redeemed, they'll make it when he comes, right? Amen? Amen. Okay, but it's not until you understand and believe that he is your shepherd who provides for you, who loves you, okay? That you shall not be in want. You'll be in want if he's not your shepherd. If you don't understand that relationship. You'll be in want if you can't see him as father. Because you will not be able to see that he cares about you. 
you only see him as a, as a faraway God who, could, who, who possibly redeemed you through some guy named Jesus, right? That'll be the vague concept that we have. So this is important, is that if the word says that when he's my shepherd, you know what, I'm gonna believe he's my shepherd today. And I'm gonna talk like he's my shepherd. I am not in want. I'm struggling, yes, but I'm struggling over under the deception of my own mind. Is I created a disposition, I create this idea that I don't have. Because guess what? We're not genuinely grateful. We haven't logically proved that we have more than we should have. So then we feel in want. So let's go back to square one. We're sinful men. We deserve no good, but we get good by the grace of God. So everything I have, I genuinely now can say, he's my shepherd. And I don't really have anything I want. I'm not in want. I'm not in this, this craving of, oh, I need this and I need that and I need this and I need that. And that helps c control the materialistic nature that we have. Grace is what control, controls the materialistic nature that we have. Our, our desire for things and, and bigger this and bigger that, right? The next best, right? All the, all the you know, whatever it is, is that nature to, because all the time we spend pursuing those things, what if we spent investing in people and helping them get better? Instead of complaining about their behavior, about their lack of, of right living, let's go invest in those people. Let's talk to them. Let's bless them. Let's tell them how God has supplied righteousness as a gift to them, how God has supplied all these, this, all of his wonder to them as a free gift. You know, what if we took that perspective and invested our time and energy in that? And then guess what? When we put his kingdom and his righteousness first, this is, we're not in want. We're not in want. We're not in want. Aren't you tired of being in want? Right? You know, there, there's desires that we have that we wish we just didn't have those desires, but we still have them. It's an unsettled thing in our, in our hearts. Well, this, I need this, I need that, I need this. And then like, even, even though you know that in your, in your deepest heart and thoughts, it's like, that may not be good for me. That may not be best, that may not be a wise decision. We still want it, but you can't get rid of it, right? You can't get rid of it in yourself. So what do you need? You need to, to hear, the Lord is my shepherd. Understand that you are his sheep. And then he takes care of his sheep. And he provides for his sheep. And he clothes his sheep. He saves them from the storms. He saves them from the surrounding wolves. Right? That I'm his. If I'm God's, I have no need to want. Right? And so you, you, you hear the word of God about something, right? Or he's my fortress, right? So when you walk outside, instead of fearing, oh, every car is going to hit me, or every accident that I see on the news is going to happen to me, and living, there's people who live in fear of those things. I'm, I met a guy, and this isn't to put him down, but I knew a guy who was about 30-something years old and had such a fear of driving, he never drove. He would never drive. But he's a, he's a Christian, he lives, he lives by faith. Right? Sounds... I mean, if you're a Christian, of course you live by faith. No, it doesn't mean you live by faith just because you call yourself a Christian. Faith is living. Faith is living. That means he's my fortress. That as I do, as I walk out into the world, I'm protected. But do I believe that? 
I hear it now, so I have the choice to believe it. And if I believe it, and I start talking it, then it becomes my reality. Amen? Does that make sense? So we're trying to grow our faith by talking bold. We live bold. Our foundation is bold. It's certain. We trust in God. He saved us. He's redeemed us. He's paid the price for our sins, right? So when we come to our life and we're dealing with things at work, promotions, um, 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 situations, issues, right? Those are ours if we would talk so, right? Do you know why some of us never, I, I would say some of us never get ahead? It's not because God doesn't care about you. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You just, you just don't, you know, you could be a Christian and never be blessed. Never have a blessed, like, like outcome of life. You're always suffering. You're always depressed. You're always down and out. You never have anything. Nothing's ever working your way, right? You can be a Christian and live like that. Do you think that's the will of God? So God, when Jesus came, did he come like giving poverty? No. Did he come giving sickness? Right? It's the funniest people. It's the people that say, oh, you know, God doesn't want you to be well off financially. They usually say stuff like this. Um, um, they're the, not them say stuff. They do stuff like this. They'll go to the doctors. If God is cursing you with sickness, why are you going to the doctors, bro? Right? Why are you trying to get rid of the disease God gave you? <laughs> it makes no sense, right? You see how, I mean, some things can be kind of, if you just follow the logic, follow the lining, right? Of, oh, you know, God. Why are you trying to get out of poverty if God wants you to be in poverty, right? Why are you, why are you working? You know, why, why are you trying to excel and promote if God, you know, is, is, is granting people poverty? Why? The same people who tell us this are the same people who are the ones working for it. You know, you, you find this to be the, 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 the battle of the world. I didn't say God will make you rich either. But the Bible, the Bible does say in Proverbs, it's, it's the poor and the rich, when they dwell together, it's God who makes both. It's God who makes both. So, um, Lord is my shepherd. Um, as a believer, we must confess by faith that he is our shepherd. This, these are the seeds that get planted now and they grow by talking. They grow by talking. If we start talking the word of God, the seeds begin to grow. So it's like me watering it every day. Every day as I begin to talk, my faith begins to grow. As I begin to talk it, right? This headache be gone in the name of Jesus. I take my Advil or whatever it is in the name of Jesus. I'm trusting that this Advil will accomplish the best job it's ever done for me, right? If that's where your faith is, uh, use it there. Exercise it on that level. You know, we don't all start off working out and, and using the, the max weights, right? We use the easy weights. So, we have to learn to plant faith by talking faith. So, um, here's the next verse real quick. Let me, where's it at? Okay. So, what you speak of him, okay, I, I've already talked about that, sorry. So, what I'm saying is, we go from here. It's not automatic. Being blessed is not automatic, right? If it was, 
the moment I signed up for Christianity, right, and I decided to believe in Jesus, I would be blessed in everything I did. Like, rich, well off, never sick, right, always. They have to be taken possession of. Okay? You have to take possession of your possessions. They're already your possessions. But you take possession over them by faith, by declaring it with your words, by talking. That healing belongs to me. That miracle belongs to me. Is it because you're good? Because you deserve it? No. We already know that. We've taken care of that. Right? This is why we live bold. So we have to talk bold, we have to talk it. It's important that we talk it. Faith, faith isn't power, okay? Faith is what lends you the power. Faith in itself isn't the power, but faith is what lends you the power. And here's an example, um, the centurion, Jesus told him, first servant, as you believe, as you believe, let it be unto you. Right? He told his disciples, according to your faith. He told two blind men, according to your faith, let, let it be done. So as you believe, right, as you have faith, the power lends itself to you. As you have faith, as you have real faith, when you start talking faith, your faith then becomes real. Right? On a daily basis, you start talking faith. Then the power of God lends itself to you. But how do you get to faith? It's the same way. How do you get to that point where you, you can grow your faith? And this is the thing is, the blind man had enough of himself. The centurion saw no other way. So it's when we, when we, start, when we start taking, if we can do that willfully, right? Without suffering. You, you know you can do it willfully, right? You can willfully say, in me dwells no good thing so that you can receive all of the grace of God. But if you say, oh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty good, right, that limits what you can receive. That limits what you can receive. Any part of us, I've told you guys this before, but there's a law in the book of Leviticus. This law is so special because it's, it, it's a law that says if you, if you have leprosy on your arms, you're considered unclean. If you have leprosy on your legs, you're considered unclean. But here's a weird thing. If you have leprosy on your entire body, you're considered clean. Makes no sense, right? You're, you're, if you have leprosy from head to toe, you become clean. You become completely clean. And so this is, was tricky because it's, it's, it's the same thing is that if I believe I'm 100% sinner and I'm 100% undeserving and that it's only by God's grace, then what I receive from that only by God's grace is everything. But if I think I'm 50% good, I can only receive 50% of what's bad, right? When we receive by grace, it's on the basis that we're bad, not that we're good. Oh, I've behaved well, so then I can receive. No, no, it's how bad are, and this can be done on purpose, is to see yourself, is to willfully see yourself, is not being able to receive based on what you've done, and then saying, okay, that's that. But because of what Jesus has done, now I can fully receive. Amen?
So faith isn't the power, it lends the power. Um, we have to start using faith to expect good things. We have to. If we want good things to happen, we have to start using faith to expect good things. How do we do that? Talking faith. Talk faith. Um, there was a man, um, I forget his name, um, John G. Lake. John G. Lake. He's a, a old-time preacher. He's long gone. Um, but he had this interesting story. It was in the time of the bubonic plague. You guys familiar with the bubonic plague, right? And uh, when people would die, they would foam out of the mouth. They would foam out of the mouth from the bubonic plague. And this guy was a, a man of faith, but he would deal with their bodies. So when these, these scientists came in of their day, came in, they were like, why aren't you sick? Why aren't you sick? And he says, because I'm in the law of the spirit of life. I'm in the law of the spirit of life. And, and they said, okay, we don't know what that means because these, these are men of logic and science, right? And this is man of faith. He says, okay, well, let me help you understand. Take the phone off the mouth of that dead person and put it on my hand. And he's like, okay. So they took, they literally took the bubonic plague off of the person's mouth, put it on his hands under a microscope, and the disease dissolved. So he affected the bubonic plague, not the bubonic plague. It didn't affect him. And this is a, this is a story of faith. And this is how faith works. And he talked it, and then it happened. This is the law of the spirit of life. Is it that can't kill me? That can't hurt me. So when you see, when you're afraid of all these bad things that can happen, I'm on my last dime, I'm on my last dollar, I'm on my last this, I'm on my last that, is that you can expect that because you're under the law of the spirit, right? It makes you free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is this. Is it because you're a sinner, you deserve death. You deserve to be sick. You deserve to have all the disease of the world. But it, the law of the Spirit, which is because of what Jesus did on the cross, right? That gateway is made available to us. How? Because of what he did on the cross by having faith that that's true. So that when death comes knocking and saying, well, you kind of deserve me, you're like, I'm under the law of the Spirit. You can't touch me. The law of the Spirit of life, I must live. I must live. Amen. Um, Hebrews 10.35. I had an entirely different lesson um, planned today. And God like last minute just did a shift on me. So um, 10.35. And 10.35 says this. Cast not away therefore your confidence which has great recompense of reward. So if you decide to be confident... Because God said something, right? God made a promise that all things will work for your good. And you decide to stand on that promise? Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which will have great recompense of reward. Your faith will be rewarded. The righteous reward of faith is the action that you are expecting, right? Because what? 
Um, 11, 11, 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means your faith is the evidence of what you're not yet experiencing in your life. Your faith is the evidence. Okay? Even though you feel, you don't feel blessed. Even though you don't feel like you're right with God. There's constant things that are going to convince you. You're going to make a sin that's so bad. Okay? It's so bad that you'll look at yourself. How am I right with God? How in the world? It was right after church. It was right before church. It was this day. It was right after they prayed for me. That I went and did the exact thing I was asking to pray for. Right? It's that exact moment. Okay? That you become the greatest candidate of grace. Because there becomes this ceasing of trust in self. It's not God's will for you to sin. But what he'll do is if you do sin, he'll use that as an advantage to get himself into your life. He's the only person that can take advantage of sin in that way. Make a fool of sin, right? Oh, that word is sting. You know, he's the only person that can make a fool of death. <laughs> you got, you thought you got me. I'm, just, I'm still alive, right? <laughs> I'm here. But it says, in, it says in 37, uh, 36. For if you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Okay. Living like this, living like this, living this life of faith, of talking faith, is a life that pleases God. You guys, we're so concerned, and I, and I understand the concern about you know, sin and living right and doing all that stuff. But it's, the basis starts in faith. How we get there is, is, is different than how we've been taught. We don't look at the law of God and then try to, try to fulfill its every demand. You know? No, I'm trying to please God. I'm trying to please God. No, faith is the only thing that pleases God. It is the only thing. You, it's impossible to please God without faith. So to live a life that pleases God is to live a life that talks faith, that hears the word of God, that talks the word of God, that hears, that speaks faith. That when I felt, I'm the righteousness of God. That when I'm broke, I'm the provided for. That when I'm sick, I'm the healed. That when I'm hurting, I'm the whole. Amen? Then it says this, verse 38, the just shall live by faith. Okay? The only way you can live, and this is like, you're talking about living, living life to the fullest, right? Is by faith. You want to live your fullest life? Live by faith. You want to live the fullest life possible? Live by faith. Talk faith. Speak faith. What is speaking faith? Let's go back to square one. Right? It's speaking what you've been given to, what God has given you, speaking what God has given you. We know we don't deserve it, but we still can receive it, right? And even though we don't feel it or see it happening just yet, we're going to see it through. You're going to see it through. I'm going to see it through. Whatever situation you're dealing with, we're going to see it through. But faith is for that moment. See, if it was just like this, you just had a thought, I had a need, and then it just, the answer came, right? There'd be no need for faith. Because faith is evidence of things not seen. It's evidence of things not seen. So I want to get this very 
clear across to you guys. It's evidence of things not seen. That means when you decide to have faith, you might not see it right away. We expect, oh, it's going to happen right away. Right? We have this, this expectation that it might just happen immediately. And it doesn't. It can. It can. Okay? But faith is made alive when you see the impossibility and you continue to have faith. Right? You continue to trust God and, and that he is faithful and that he'll do what he said he's going to do and that he's not a man that he would lie. Amen? So we got to stick to this. Because circumstances will rob us of faith. Circumstances will try and rob us of faith. You'll have faith. You'll be in a situation and you'll have faith and you'll trust God and then a circumstance will show up. And then I'll say, well, maybe you shouldn't have faith because look what's happening now. Let's put it this way. I always kind of saw it this way as a, as a young person. What other option do I have if I'm in the pickle? Right? Uh, I'm giving up on this. I'm giving up on God. I always hear this. I'm giving up on God. I'm giving up on faith, right? And it's like, okay, I mean, that's, that's, that's a terrible idea because you already don't have the answer. And you already in yourself couldn't make the way. Right? So I want to encourage you guys today. Leave here talking faith in your life. Talk faith. Talk it. Speak it through your day at work. Talk it everywhere you go. It is the only way. It is, it is the only way to remain joyful while suffering. It's to know that what you are having faith for will come to pass in time. That's what it says right here. It says um, in verse 36, for you have need of patience. For you have need of patience. Okay. So with faith, with having faith, a side thing, like a sidekick to faith. You know, Batman has Robin. Faith has patience. Right? You, you have patience with God that he'll do what he said he's going to do in the right time because he knows. Amen? God knows. God knows. He knows how many hours you have in your day. Amen? Let us stand. Let us pray.